everybody, and welcome back to Working at the Wheel. I'm your host, Vicki Dombeck, and we're so happy to have you back for episode two of our Doctrinal Dictionary series. Um, so last week, we previewed our series. We talked a little bit about what you can expect, and we especially heard um, Jordan and Dylan and Elena talk about the importance of incorporating knowledge and theology into our faith, but also vice versa, and how it's a two-way street between the both of them. Today, we're going to dive a little bit deeper with the two wonderful guests I have here today um, into our first topic of this series. Um, So first with me today, I have Mr. Curran Martin, who's on staff interning with Crew. How's it going over there, Curran? Doing great. Happy to be here. And then next, I have my podcast team co-host, Lindsay Horton, who's going to go over a little bit what this episode is going to look like. Yeah, awesome. So we are starting out with um, the doctrine of scripture, which obviously just by that title, there's a lot packed into there. Um, And so we're not going to pretend that we know everything there is to know about this topic um, or that we have um, all of the background um, but more so just trying to break down some, some bigger words and bigger topics so that we can understand them a little bit better. Um, so actually, before we ta- hop into the doctrine of Scripture, I think it'd be kind of fun if we talked about how each of us kind of like got into doctrine. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that sounds like loaded, but just like in general, what it looked like for you to start like pursuing some of these topics. So, um, and even what doctrine technically is too, yeah, and what that is good. defined as, because you know, I think I I even <laughs> pronounced it wrong a couple times, and I'm like, wait, what's, what's what does actually does this mean? Yeah. So, yeah, I I'd, I'd love to hear that from both of you, and just how how you got into this, and why you continue to pursue it in your faith walk. Okay. Um, I guess I'll take a stab at defining doctrine. I don't have any notes in front of me about that. I think it's just like what we know and like have learned about God and what he reveals in his word. It's like, like a statement of truth, like Jesus is the son of God. Like that's a statement of doctrine that um, all Christians hold. Um, and for me, getting into doctrine really began towards the end of my sophomore year when I was responsible for leading my discipleship group through a topic. There were three, lef- three weeks left in the semester, and I had my week, and I did apologetics. Mm. So we talked about Old Testament prophecies and stuff like that, which was really cool and like really intellectually stimulating for yeah. me because mm. I just wasn't aware of that stuff yet. And so then I went to North Myrtle Beach after that, the <laughs> summer after that, and wrestled with different questions about hell, about other religions, stuff Mm. like that, which was also really good for me. And after I got back, I just kept learning about all sorts of other topics regarding doctrine. That's awesome. Yeah, I think it's interesting, Karen, that you mentioned um, that it was intellectually stimulating, because I think that was also, for me, what kind of like kept me looking into doctrine so similar my sophomore year (laughs) I'd actually just come back from North Myrtle Beach summer mission um, and it was just really prevalent in my friend group Um, the people that I was hanging around with were talking about this type of stuff all the time Um, and so I became curious about different doctrinal questions Um, honestly probably more of the um, like the hot topic ones or like the more hotly debated ones uh, that we do not have to get into now. Um, but those like started off my uh, my interest. And so um, I started like buying different books and 
um, doing some light reading before bed. Um, Systematic of, theology. Yeah. <laughs> it's a pretty, it's a few inches thick, um, but I just read a little bit before bed. It really interested me, and I think, like Kern said, it was intellectually stimulating. So it was um, a new area of my relationship with God that I hadn't um, it really explored yet in terms of, like, what does it look like to actually, like, really study these things mm-hmm. in a similar way to, like, being in school and studying a topic. So that's what got me started into um, doctrine. And which actually reminds me, talking about systematic theology, that's where we're pulling a lot of these things from. It's a really comprehensive resource for kind of all things, what does the Bible say about topic X? Um, And so um, if you're curious uh, where we're pulling a lot of our information, obviously the Bible, but we've gotten a lot of help from Wayne Grudem's systematic theology. Yeah, and we're calling today's episode Authority of Scripture. Mm -hmm. And... um, I think it's important to stick with our dictionary theme and even define, like, what is the Word of God? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you said we're referencing the Bible, but also a separate book. And, like, what does Mm. that differ in being the Word of God, but also very good references and analysis about the Word of God? Yeah, that's good, Vic. Um, I think... The Word of God can mean a lot of different things um, when we say it in Christian circles. Um, it's both the person of Jesus Christ, as we see in the, like, especially referenced in the book of John, the opening chapter of John um, refers to Jesus as the Word. Um, and then the Word of God is also speech by God. So um, his decrees, the powerful and creative words that he chooses um, to cause things to happen. For instance, in Genesis, when he says, let there be light, mm-hmm. um, that would be like a decree of God. Um, it's also his word of personal address. So when he communicates to people directly in the scriptures and when he's talking to them, um, like in, in, again, in Genesis, when he talks to Adam and Eve, um, both his, his personal address um, and then also um, his words and speech through human lips. So Curran mentioned before, like studying the Old Testament prophets, that was God's word spoken through a human. Um, but like in Jeremiah 1.9, um, Jeremiah says that the, word, the, the Lord put the words in his mouth to speak to the people. So it's God's spoken word through humans. Um, and then finally, what we're specifically focusing on today is God's word, the word of God in written form, which um, we would consider the Bible, the um, the canonical books of scripture um, that form our our Bible. Yeah, and, and like you said, Lindsay, we're really looking at systematic theology as, as a whole, as kind of our roadmap for diving into that topic about the written form of, of God's word. Yeah. And, you know, we've got a couple subtopics here that we're really going to work our way through within that own subtop- subtopic of what God's word can be. Um, so I'm wondering if, you, if you'd want to kick us off and, and introduce that first subtopic and and we can get started about this. Yeah, absolutely. And actually to kind of like just preface this whole um, this whole podcast and also why we chose to do this one first, like why do the doctrine of scripture or like the authority of scripture before we tackle the doctrine of God and the Holy Spirit and the Trinity, things like that, like why this one first? Um, a good example of um, a piece of scripture um, that talks about um, the law of the Lord or the, the scriptures um, Psalm 1, 1 through 2 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on this law he meditates day and night. 
Um, and then later it goes on to say that this person is like a tree planted by streams of water um, that yields fruit in its season and does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. So the idea that the word of God is, uh, which we'll get to later especially, is essential um, to who we are as Christians. Um, and it forms the foundation of anything that we do. Um, uh, so, so before we get into any other topics, the most important is where are we drawing our information from when we make claims about who God is or who we are or what the gospel is, for instance. Um, all of that is based in scripture for us. Um, what are we citing? What are we sourcing? What are we pulling this information from when we're exactly. making these bold claims you know, for the glory of God, but then not actually listening to what the word of God is saying. Yes. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's really defend it, you know, it's defending ourselves with scripture, which yeah. that picture is painted in the Bible multiple times about how we can take up the full armor of God and defend mm. ourselves yeah. with scripture and with the power of the Lord. Yeah. So I can read um, our first subtopic. We're talking about the scripture being um, authoritative and inerrant, so without error. Um, and kind of the questions that we're trying to answer within this subtopic are, how do we know that the Bible is God's word? Um, and are there any errors in the Bible? Um, so I can just read um, kind of the definition that we have of the authority of scripture, and then we can kind of break down what, what we see that meaning. Mm-hmm. Um, So the authority of scripture means that all of the words in scripture are God's words in such a way that to disbelieve or to disobey any word of scripture is to disbelieve or disobey God himself. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and a lot of the reason we can know that is because, well, the word of God says it is the word of God. (laughs) Um, And we'll talk about how, yes, that is a circular argument, but but that's okay. And one verse that uh, explains that is 2 Timothy 3.16 which says that all scripture is God-breathed and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, mm-hmm. that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So the word, like, God-breathed, I'm pretty sure, like, Paul, like, invented that word mm-hmm. for his purposes there. So it's literally, like, breathed out by God. Mm-hmm. Some translations say inspired, but God-breathed is, like, the more literal translation. And so you have something literally from God. And are you going to disobey that? Well... We all do every day because we're sinful, but it's we do know that scripture is authoritative mm-hmm. because of that. And we have we have other examples too. We have how in Matthew five, um, no Matthew chapter nineteen verse five, excuse me, that quotes Genesis two twenty four, which is I think about a man leaving his father and mother and holding fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. One flesh. That's not attributed to God in. Uh, the Genesis verse, but then in Matthew, Jesus attributes that to God. Hmm. So, yeah, we have some support for, like, the Old Testament being authoritative, literally, from God, even when God's not being quoted and, like, directly speaking to a prophet. Yeah, so we see in the New Testament that when people refer to the Old Testament, it's stated as God's words, Mm -hmm. even, even when it's not necessarily, in the narrative, God speaking or something. Um, Corinne, exactly. can you yeah, can you talk a little bit more about um, the the circular argument um, and and what it what it means that yeah, technically this is a circular argument to say that scripture is authoritative because scripture says it's authoritative. Mm-hmm. Um, but why does that um, why does that hold up still? 
Yeah, I mean, it holds up. Ultimately, for someone to believe that the scriptures are God's word and authoritative, there has to be a work of the, of the Holy Spirit on mm-hmm. them. Um, the Westminster Confession of Faith from like the 1640s um, says that, yeah, ultimately the, the inward work of the Holy Spirit um, like convinces someone mm-hmm. of the truth of God's word. Yeah. But regarding the circular argument question, I mean, let's say you wanted to um, try to prove that human logic is like the highest authority. authority. How would you do that? You'd say, well, it's logical to, to think that. So mm-hmm. whatever the authority you're citing to, yeah. you're going to be using that authority to try to prove it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's always a circular argument there. And yeah. so yep. if there were anything like outside the Bible to ultimately prove the Bible is true, that means that there would be some authority higher than the Bible. Hmm. And there's not. Yeah. So, yeah. I think that's an important uh, thing that you mentioned, that any sort of claim about some type of authoritative truth is going to be a circular argument, mm-hmm. regardless of what we do. So um, to, to try to use that to break down the authority of Scripture it doesn't really get us anywhere. Um, so it helps us actually see that, yeah, this is a, a viable thing. We can, we can trust in this. Mm-hmm. I think one of my favorite things, too, that I've always heard is that the Bible never contradicts itself. You know, it's, it's this storytelling of truth and that intertwines so many things and not once does it contradict itself Mm. um and i even think about how we use like modern day science and we believe in a lot of things that we can't see and and that's Mm. sometimes a big argument for non-believers is i can't see this happening so why should i believe it and it's like can you see atoms floating in the air? Can you see individual elements? Yeah, sometimes, but nine times out of ten, maybe not. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's still undeniable proof that they exist. Mm-hmm. You know, there's still a 99.999% that it's true, but there's still that 0.001% that it's not. And I think when we're thinking about it, it's so much evidence and so much truth has built up to the point where the word of God is undeniable in its truth and the way that it doesn't contradict itself and the way that it continues to just um, speak to us, like you were saying, Kern, through the Holy Spirit and continue to push us towards growth yeah. just shows that not only is it true, but it's alive and active. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then secondly, um, within this topic, we have the inerrancy of scripture, um, which means that scripture is the in the original manuscripts um, does not affirm anything that is contrary to fact. Um, yeah, so basically that it's impossible for Scripture to lie um, because it's God's word, mm-hmm. and he can't speak falsely or lie. <laughs> yeah, I have a verse that, that talks about that for mm. us. Uh, God is not a man that he should lie or a son of man that he should repent, which is in Numbers 23 mm. and 19. And then you've also got John 17, 17, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Jesus is praying to his Father. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, acknowledging that the Father's word is truth. Not just true, but truth. Yeah, that so, I, it's actually a noun, not an adjective. It's right. not describing it as something true, but it is the truth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so, yeah, how could there be, if, if it's really God-breathed, like we talked about from Second Timothy, you know, mm-hmm. how could there be an error or falsehood in it yeah. or anything inerrant? And, well, there isn't. Yeah. Another verse I think of, um, Proverbs 35, says, Every word of God proves to, true. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. just that it, it's impossible um, for for his words to be to be false. And since scripture is the word of God, <laughs> scripture itself then can't be false. Yeah. Um, 
I think it's also really interesting to look at the implications when we deny the inerrancy of scripture. Um, because I think it means that if, if we say that there are errors in scripture, um, that we like if, if there's one thing that like could be off about it, then we really can't trust all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we can't trust all of it, um, then we can't really trust who God is. Um, and if we can't trust in who God is, then we're going to make our own human minds a higher standard of truth or our own logic or reason. Um, and so the second that we deny the inerrancy of scripture, um, we actually like it starts a snowball effect of a lot of really negative implications of putting ourselves in the place of God then. Mm-hmm. And there are, um, there are some things in scripture that do look like errors at first, but mm. upon investigation of them, um, generally there are pretty good explanations yeah. and uh, there are plenty of resources and, you know, the church has been around for 2000 years and people have thought <laughs> about these things and there are plenty of resources yeah. um, about the, any perceived error or contradiction, whatever yeah. they may be. Yeah. I think just humbling ourselves in education mm-hmm. too, like and understanding that the word of God is so deep and so dense that our human brain cannot comprehend a lot of it. Mm-hmm. And taking that humble mindset into education, into theology, into mm-hmm. um, doctrine, I think in, in anything we do and understanding that you know, just because my mind can't understand it right now doesn't mean that it's false. Mm-hmm. And, and truly recognizing and trusting that, you know, this is true, and one day I'm going to understand it all. Yeah. And today is most likely not going to be that day. Yeah. Vicki, I think you get into an important idea that the knowledge, when we talk about knowledge of God or like uh, intellectual knowledge of God, there is so much. It's so vast. We will spend Mm -hmm. eternity learning more about who God is. Mm -hmm. And in this life, we can barely even come close to understanding all of that. Um, But at the same time, it, it, it doesn't make it um, unapproachable oh, for sure. in the same yeah. way. Um, we can still press into these things. And also in talking about, like you mentioned earlier, um, there the Bible never contradicts itself. Mm-hmm. Um, but Kern also mentioned that there are some places where it might seem like it does <laughs> or it, mm-hmm. it appears that it does. James and Romans come to mind. Yeah. The yeah. famous verses about being justified by faith alone. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but then also the importance of works in James. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it seems like they don't really go together. Um, but I think the an important understanding of scripture is that like it, it's not two things are not going to um, exist in the same place that God cannot reconcile. Mm-hmm. We might not be able to reconcile them, like you're saying. We're not going to fully understand things, um, but He can. And that important perspective of if we see something that seems to not make sense or um, or we think is wrong, um, or is an error. Um, just like you said, Vicki, that humble mindset of, okay, God, I need your help to understand this. Um, and I, I can't do it on my own, or, uh, I understand that this is true. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to try to figure out how it's true in my own mind, but really this is true. And I will come to understand it. Um, which I think actually leads into our second topic really well, mm-hmm. um, which is the clarity of scripture. Um, and the, the question that we're trying to answer here is, can only Bible scholars understand the Bible rightly? Uh, and this clarity of Scripture means that the Bible is written in such a way that its teachings are able to be understood by all who will read it, seeking God's help, and being willing to follow it. Um, so we can talk a bit about what that means as well. 
Yeah, well, the answer to the question is no. Um, <laughs> not only Bible scholars can understand the Word of God. Because um, we have the Holy Spirit who, like, illuminates yeah. truth to us. So uh, there's that. And here's a verse in Psalms about this topic, um, or that applies to this topic. Uh, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise mm. the simple. Um, that's from Psalm 19, verse 7. Yeah. And the simple refers to, like, one who lacks sound judgment and who mm-hmm. is prone to making mistakes. So the word of God, you know, even on a person like that, has a, has a great effect and makes wise the simple. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's, it's clear. Um, that doesn't mean there aren't some things that are hard to understand. But, yeah, yeah we have the Holy Spirit in, a, in us to help us understand. And it's also important to note that Paul's epistles were written to uh, regular church people. They yeah, weren't written yeah. to people who had MDivs or anything like that. <laughs> MDivs weren't around yet. That refers to Master of Divinity, something you would like get at a seminary. And he also referred to like I think Old Testament writings among Gentiles who didn't really have that background context yeah. mm-hmm. in most cases. Yeah. So or even a um, another verse that comes to mind is Deuteronomy six um, six through seven. It actually like encourages the people of Israel to read and understand the Bible and teach it to their children. Mm-hmm. So if this is something that God in His like in His law was encouraging them to teach, it can be implied that for for the majority of Scripture, they could read and easily understand it yeah. in order to convey it to someone else as yeah. well. Yeah, I think it's important to note that the only prerequisite to truly understanding the bible is the holy spirit Mm -hmm. and you know you don't have to have a phd you don't have to have Mm -hmm. all these accolades that build up that are earthly accolades i might add Mm -hmm. but the only accolade you need is the heavenly one of the holy spirit yeah and and when that is paving the way to understanding the word of god and the depth that it has um that's just an amazing gift that i think we um we take for granted sometimes yeah. when it comes to understanding the Bible is, you know, we, we're all smart people. And, <laughs> and sometimes we like to think that we could understand it by ourselves, but then just truly recognizing that there's a whole nother level of understanding um, with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And I think, yeah, that's a really big encouragement to anyone listening or um, just all of us in our walks with the Lord that like we can read our Bibles. It shouldn't be something scary to shy away from, but um, that if we open it um, and we have a heart that is submitted to the Lord, show me your ways. I want Mm -hmm. to know more of who you are, God. I want you to work in my heart. He's going to do that. He's not going to not answer that prayer, (laughs) you know? So it's, yeah, yeah, it should be a really big encouragement um, that the the scriptures are clear and that they can be understood by us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that leads into our third topic about Mm -hmm. just, what is the necessity of reading the Bible? Yeah. You know, all of us can do it, but all of us, but should all of us do it? Mm-hmm. And, and what does that mean? And um, how how much can people know about God without the Bible? Mm-hmm. And how much more can people know with the Bible? Yeah. I mean, there are just so many reasons to read the Bible. <laughs> um, honestly, I mean, so that we can understand the gospel, understand His plan of salvation. Mm-hmm. You know, see our sinfulness see what we're supposed to do and how we're supposed to live, grow in our spiritual lives, know his will, yeah. all, all those things. You know, it's yeah. for any new Christian, the first thing I would tell them to do is read their Bible. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd probably yeah. start, I'd, ha- I'd probably have them start with the Gospels, which mm-hmm. are, you know, very explicitly like about Jesus and it's, you know, it's about his life and everything. So, yeah, but, you know, without the Bible, 
how much would, we wouldn't really know the gospel. We wouldn't, you know, have any yeah. idea what we're supposed to do. We, w- we would just be lacking such an important resource mm-hmm. for our spiritual growth. Because, you know, when you read the word, oftentimes, you know, I, what I'll do is I'll, I'll read the word and I'll see things that mm-hmm. I'm not following, feel convicted, yeah. you know, try to change, you know, pray about a passage I just read, confess sin. It just leads to more intimacy with God and, and, uh, and a better walk with him. Yeah. Yeah, I think you broke down kind of three of the main ways that um, Scripture fills the, our, our needs mm-hmm. um, in terms of knowledge of the gospel being one, um, giving us information about spiritual life, maintaining our spiritual life, mm-hmm. uh, and revealing um, God's will to us. Yeah. Um, and when I think of knowledge of the gospel, uh, a key verse comes to mind in uh, Romans 10. And it says, for everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. But how are they to call upon him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? Mm -hmm. And how are they to hear without a preacher? So faith comes from what is heard, and what is heard comes by preaching, by the preaching of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, so this idea that in order to like know and understand the gospel, we need the scriptures that reveal it to us mm-hmm. um, and, and people to share it with us. Um, and then breaking down into spiritual life, which I think we can expound on a little bit more with personal experience as well, um, that scripture is necessary for maintaining our spiritual life. Mm-hmm. Matthew 4, 4 says, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Um, so I think we can talk more. Corinne, you said um, some implications of reading the Bible for spiritual growth. Um, but what else do we see in our life that God does um, when we read the Bible? I mean, we start to, a lot of times we start to become, like, just more attuned um, to him throughout the day, like, yeah. seeing in situations, you know, mm-hmm. how we should act. Like, sometimes I'll remember scripture, like, just randomly as yeah. I'm thinking about something. Yeah. You start to really have more of the mind of Christ mm-hmm. and, yeah, just live your life in a different way. And there's a lot of effects on you from that mm-hmm. that, um, that people can often notice, like, you might wind up more loving, more forgiving. Yeah. You might start taking your sin more seriously, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you might start wanting to tell people around you about Christ. Yeah. So, you know, in Scripture, yeah, as you know, as Lindsay said, talking about the knowledge of Christ coming um, in the mm-hmm. Word, the knowledge of the Gospel. It's good to have verses memorized um, yeah. for evangelism too. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, Scripture is very necessary. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Something I've seen too is just. Um, our world is, especially right now, just oversaturated mm. with stimuli. And everything's trying to grab our attention. Everything's yeah. trying to pour something into us. And, um, you know, we talked about it on actually one of our very first episodes, but um, just this idea of what are we putting in front of our eyes and mm. what are we letting our minds ponder on and yeah. truly think on. And mm-hmm. um, I think one of my favorite things about going back to Scripture is just the way that it pulls me back towards Christ Mm -hmm. and the way that it just reminds me of the truths every single day and Mm -hmm. and like you were saying Curtin it's memorizing scripture is super cool because you don't have to actually be reading to have those truths be poured into you it can be automatic like Mm -hmm. it's so in your brain that something can come up at a very random time and all of a sudden you're just like oh here's a verse Mm -hmm. here's some truth you know and I think that constant reminder um and having that all throughout the Bible is so cool. And just being able to open up to literally a random spot 
and just have God speak to you in that. Yeah. And, and and that's another thing that we have here is just it being an intimate meeting place with God. Mm-hmm. Um, and just another way for God to truly speak to us in our relationship with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes by exactly the words that he has written, but in other times just our interpretation of things and the Holy Spirit leading us through that interpretation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Another note about memorizing scripture. Um, and in some contexts, it's really hard to have a Bible or very mm-hmm. dangerous. And so Christians in North Korea have generally found that, you know, memorization is the safest way to have yeah. God's word. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, just another note about that. Yeah. And I think another um, thing that we see as we read scripture for our spiritual growth is that, um, like we've all been talking about, it helps us to like remember what is true. Mm-hmm. I think of the work of Satan and how one of his primary modes of drawing us away from God is to tell us lies about who God is or who we are or what God is doing in the world. Um, And so when we are, when those lies are being um, shot at us um, by the enemy, if we read scripture, because it is ultimate truth, we can know what is true and we can discern what those lies are and we can better walk in what God has called us to mm-hmm. as we see who he is, um, what Jesus is doing um, and how how God is calling us to live and what's true about us even, which makes us more confident to walk out the calling that he has placed on our lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why it says in Ephesians 6 in the passage about spiritual warfare, mm-hmm. I think this is around verse 16 or 17, that yeah. the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and preaching the truth to yourself is very, you know, it's been, uh, it's been promoted, I was looking for the word, by a lot of, <laughs> a lot of people throughout church history, you know, mm-hmm. just, just very effective, like, you know, renewing your mind, combating worldliness with truth, mm-hmm. the thoughts that go through your head, combating them with truth. Yeah, because while we are redeemed by Christ and made into new creations, given a new identity um, of holiness, um, we are still plagued by sin in our world. And it's still very much, we have to put our flesh to death every day. And the condition, the human condition of sin uh, uh, that came when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden that is now on all people, we still live with the effects of that, mm-hmm. even though we are redeemed people by, mm-hmm. by Jesus's blood. And so as we're walking out that tension of both being already made new by Christ, but yet not yet in the fullness of his kingdom, as we walk out that tension, the Bible helps remind us of who we're called to be mm-hmm. um, and helps us to put our flesh to death. Yeah. I think... Uh, the last topic that we want to talk about today is kind of this this balance between, okay, we just we just went over that it's possible for us to read the Bible. Mm-hmm. Awesome. We should read the Bible. Mm-hmm. Perfect. <laughs> and and now we, we go to this question about, is the Bible enough for knowing what God mm. wants us to think or do? You know? Yeah. Like, um, is it going to leave us with what we need? Exactly. Exactly. And, and I think even the in the very beginning of this episode where we talked about you know, systematic theology being a really great resource and mm. analysis of the Bible, um, kind of digging into that too and really looking at the sufficiency of the Bible and, um, yeah, knowing what God wants us to, to think or do solely from the Bible. Yeah, I want to read um, just the definition of the sufficiency of Scripture because I think it's, honestly, it's really beautiful um, and it can set our conversation up well. Um, it says, the sufficiency of Scripture means that scripture, the Scriptures contain all the words of God that He intended His people to have at each stage of redemptive history and that it now contains all the words of God that we need for salvation, 
for trusting him perfectly and for obeying him perfectly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would cite the verse again from 2 Timothy mm-hmm. three sixteen and 17, you know, yeah. that it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, yeah. equipped for every good work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. It's yeah. doing two things at once. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it literally is making us complete um, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Um, another thing that I think of is that the what we just talked about in um, in the previous topic, just that the Bible has the answers to our questions. Um, I think that we can get a lot. Um, we can get away from the truth very quickly when we think that there are answers to our questions outside of the Bible, mm-hmm. and that doesn't mean that. Um, a wise a wise mentor um, mm-hmm. might be able to give us um, leading and where to go for something. Um, but the second that we start to answer some of our bigger questions about the world and how we are to live in it, um, when we turn to things that aren't the Word of God mm-hmm. or people incur- like looking at the Word of God and trying to interpret yeah, it, yeah. Um, we can be really, really led astray mm-hmm. about what's true in our world and what's good um, and, and redemptive. I think the cool thing about that in just reiterating a point that I made earlier is that God's word is alive and active. Yeah. And it was written how many thousands of years ago, but it is still so, it's the most relevant piece of reading that we will ever encounter. And for that to have that much depth, for that to have that much meaning in our lives today and you know, in in thousands of years, heaven forbid, Jesus doesn't come back in thousands of years, it's still going to be relevant until the day that Jesus returns and beyond and beyond and beyond. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just something to be eternally grateful for, is that we don't have to keep up with the trends of the world, keep up with the trends of the Bible, because it is relevant every single day. and we can continue to learn things from it every single day. Not only is it relevant, but it's deep enough mm-hmm. that it surpasses all understanding and that every single day of our lives, we could read the entire Bible cover to cover mm-hmm. and still find something new. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and reading good Christian books can be helpful, but yeah, someone's primary attention should be on the Bible if they're really trying to get to know God. Um, doesn't mean, yeah, reading Christian books is wrong. Yeah, yeah. And, man, another thing I think of, um, what what it means that Scripture is sufficient or what it tells us, um, is that we can be really encouraged that God actually wants to be known mm-hmm. by us. Yeah. Um, there's so much intimacy that we can have from Him or with Him, and He doesn't withhold Himself from us. He actually shows us who He is in the Scriptures, and it's an invitation into deeper and deeper relationship with Him. Um, and so, yeah, I just think that's really encouraging um, mm-hmm. that he, he really is open arms saying, no more of me. I want, I want to walk with you more. Yeah. I want to show you more of who I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, it kind of just makes sense. Like if God wanted us, wants us to know him and everything, he would give us like something sufficient. You know, he, why would he withhold something from us? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he's given us a complete you know, canon of 66 books. Um, although, you know, at, at, um, when there was like only the Old Testament and there wasn't the New Testament yet, that was sufficient at that time in redemptive history, yeah. Yeah. like between Malachi and Matthew. Mm-hmm. But now we have, now, now we have the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the word intimate is always one of my favorite ones when thinking mm-hmm. about um, the word of God and just the intimacy that it can provide. Um, 
I think some people in their faith walk really struggle with not having a physical being Mm. of God, you know, there. Um, But I think it's really important to just reiterate the fact that God is so intimate, even if he's not a person standing right next to us, holding our hand or, Mm -hmm. or giving us a hug or anything like that. Like he is the most intimate being that we will ever have a relationship with. Um, And the word of God is such a blessing for us to be able to experience that intimacy Mm -hmm. um, beyond this world and beyond physical things. Yeah. And just the idea that our, God knows the depths of our heart. Mm-hmm. He created us. He He literally knit us together. Um, so he knows us in and out, and he loves us all the same. Mm-hmm. Um, so he loves us, and he makes us more into the image of himself, which he shows us in Scripture. So um, I think, yeah, I just think Scripture is truly the the entryway to so many of the depths of our relationship with God. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's awesome, and I've really, really loved um, diving into this topic with, with the both of you, and I know when you guys were sharing kind of how you had gotten into doctrine, I was kind of sitting over here like, no, I hope they don't ask me this question. I'm not, you know, um, but after, after doing this podcast, and I hope the rest of you listening too can, can see this as a new opportunity of education and a yeah. new opportunity to dive into um, maybe an uncomfortable spot for you because mm-hmm. um, I think the Lord meets us so well in places where we are uncomfortable yeah. and mm-hmm. I think doctrine and theology can be a big one for that um, it's it is education and we're already students and we're already learning so much but um, I think going back to what I was saying about just the world being oversaturated with with yeah. stimuli is yes we're students we're learning a lot but this is the most important stuff that we could ever learn mm-hmm. and continue to grow in so um, I encourage all of you out there, if you're feeling like this is another step that you could take in your faith, um, yeah, I, I'd love to do it with you too. So so feel free to reach out, and, and we've got some great people here that would love to guide you through it, um, and also people that would love to do it with you. I am one of those people you could reach out to <laughs> as well. Curran, the man, hit him up. Um, but next we'll move into our reference minute. Um, which we've been plugging systematic <laughs> theology this entire time. Um, so I think that's a safe one to say um, as yeah. part of a reference minute and, and maybe some others that we want to pitch into. And just to clarify, if you like Google systematic theology, a lot of them are going to come up. Um, I know both Curran and I have read from and studied for this with systematic theology by Wayne Grudem. And it's um, also He's from Eau Claire. Really? Yeah, he's from Eau Claire. <laughs> I did not know that. Yeah, so he's a Wisconsinite. Look at that. Um, it's also one that a lot of, um, I guess um, my opinion doesn't really matter that much, but like people that um, I know are really solid in the word of God, like this is one that they would go to as well. I know the High Point um, interns had to read this at one point, so it's not like, um, I don't think we just picked a random one. Like this is a, this is a pretty good systematic theology. Um, another thing that I just Googled, like the doctrine of scripture. Um, and so I haven't actually looked at all of these references, but they come from sources that I really trust. So if you um, Google the doctrine of scripture, there's a video, um, an article sort of from Desiring, of, Desiring God, um, which is a ministry of uh John Piper. So that would be a good one. It's like 15 minutes long. So it'd be a little um, shorter. And then there was another article or essay from the Gospel Coalition on the authority and inerrancy of scripture. Both are really um, 
great sources to go to for any, honestly, any questions you have about faith or doctrine, Desiring God and the Gospel Coalition are really great. Yeah, another note about systematic theology, he also talks about like different viewpoints regarding some disputed topics among mm-hmm. Christians and tries to represent those other positions fairly yeah. while defending um, his own views. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, my references would be Knowing God by J.I. Packer. I finished the book about a month ago. It was fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's pretty dense, but yeah, read like a chapter a day, and it's great. I think that's pretty manageable. Mm-hmm. Um, another one is Ask Pastor John, John Piper's podcast, yep. where he answers random questions <laughs> um, that he gets from listeners. And, you know, sometimes I've been wondering about something, and then I've looked at the, the Ask Pastor <laughs> John, and it's like that question, Yeah. So, which is, which is cool. Um, High Points Podcast, Engage and Equip, always good. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, Systematic Theology <laughs> by Wayne Grudem. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, thank you guys for being here today. Um, we really appreciate, like you were saying, Lindsay, diving into this topic first and, and really putting this out there as part of our first um, real topic, topical episode in this in this new series. Um, so I've really, really enjoyed even learning a lot in this episode, too, and I think my fellow listeners would um, agree with me. And um, if, if you enjoyed this episode, there's going to be more to come. If you felt, like I was talking about earlier, a little bit uncomfortable and maybe out of your comfort zone in this episode, I still encourage you to continue to listen um, to our upcoming series. Um, Because like I said, the the Lord has the amazing and funny way of meeting us perfectly um, in in our places of uncomfortableness. Yeah, and as we close out um, this episode, at the end of every chapter of Systematic Theology, there's a scripture memory passage and a hymn um, that kind of talks about the the theme of that chapter or the the information covered. Um, and so as we close, I really just want to read um, this hymn. It's called Teach Me, O Lord, Your Way of Truth. Um, and I think as I read the words, um, you can use it as a prayer um, to God as you're listening that you're agreeing with. Um, I think it just has really beautiful words of what we hope from this doctrine, the impact that we want it to have in our lives mm-hmm. um, and how we can know more about God. Um, Teach me, O Lord, your way of truth, and from it I will not depart, that I may steadfastly obey, give me an understanding heart. In your commandments make me walk, for in your law my joy shall be. Give me a heart that loves your will, from discontent and envy free. Turn now my eyes from vanity, and cause me in your ways to tread. O let your servant prove your word, and thus to godly fear be led. Turn away my reproach and fear, Your righteous judgments I confess. To know your precepts I desire. Revive me in your righteousness. Yeah, so we just want that to be um, a prayer over all of you listening, over the three of us in this room. Yeah, yeah, that was really great and a great way to um, end this wonderful episode. So thank you guys for listening. We appreciate you all, um, and we'll see you next week. Bye, guys. Bye, everybody. See ya. Thank you.